We have always existed, and we are still here. Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear. We're taking the pen back into our own hands. We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand. History is queerer than you. And I'm Will. And today we're going to be talking about Sophia Parnock, who is like the lesbian god. The lesbian god. I know we talk about... god. I feel like the lesbians have an entire pantheon. I think that's right. We all know Hayley Kiyoko is lesbian Jesus, and Sophia Parnock is one of the many lesbian gods. Yes, 100%. Actually, um, now that I've said that, I want someone to, like, have fan art of the lesbian pantheon. You have to include Sappho, you have to include Sophia. Come on, get to it, y'all. I know there are some amazing artists. We see that every Queer Works Friday, because Queer Works Friday is when we reblog and repost and retweet all of your amazing artworks. And I know one of you is listening. At and you least gotta one of you. Not only put it in Queer Works Friday, but also email it to me specifically. I'm not saying that I want a huge poster of it, but I will buy one. Which is the most in character for you ever, honestly. Honestly, now I sort of want like a, a pantheon of each like sexuality and gender identity. Like the the lesbian pantheon, the gay pantheon, the bisexual pantheon, the transgender pantheon, the two-spirit pantheon. I want it all. All right, all right. Some of y'all gotta do this now. Start with the lesbian one though, because I'm I'm most excited about that one right now. Valid, because we're talking about Sophia Parnock. Because we're talking about Sophia Parnock, and because I just finished a book that just gal palled like every lesbian. Ooh, big it was yikes. really impressive, actually. Okay, it wasn't like gal palling every lesbian, but like the significant majority of lesbians in history, they're like, oh yeah, friends, just some Oof. some nice female friendship. Gotta love them. That's some feminism right there. Some All great, right? amazing feminism Isn't to it? ignore that lesbians have existed. That's that's my kind of feminism. Mm-hmm. To just forget about lesbians. Yes. That's, okay. No, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't. I can't joke that. I can't. It's upsetting. Yeah, it's and too annoying much. annoying as heck. I'm not, like, I don't want to, like, drag the book. Because, like, it, it's not, like, an evil book or anything. Like, they're not trying to be evil. They just happen to be evil. They don't really know what they're talking about. They just clearly don't have any queer friends. Have you ever read a book where, like, it's very clear that in the writing of it, there weren't queer people saying, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't say. Oh, yeah, I feel that. I feel like there's so many books with that that I've read. Even, like, books about queer people that I'm like, oh, clearly no queer editor was in the room being like, oh, do not say that's so funny. That was one of those books, and I just finished it. I read it in a day, and you know what? I'm, I'm tired. I'm done. That's real. You but need to take a nap. it went to my Goods Reads goal, which I have completed. That's amazing. Well done. Plus a lot. I, I My original goal was 50, and now I'm at 63. That's impressive. So I think it's like 100 and something percent. My original goal was 25, and now mm-hmm. I'm at 26 now. So wow. like We're both just blowing our goals away. <laughs> You buy a bit more than me, though, I think. But, like, at the same time, I've been using Goodreads for, like, a year and a half now, and you just started using them, like, a month ago. So I feel like it's fine that I'm a little bit ahead. I think it is, too. Also, I spend so much of my time reading that y'all can't even believe it. What I'm reading for right now, though, is 
to get a spooky queer recommendation list to put on social media because Halloween. Halloween. I know it's like for for Patreons it's August still and and for non-patrons it's September so either way it's early but like Halloween but Halloween I feel like neither was care a lot about Halloween no we but actually we don't both know that it's like the queer holiday yes and I understand the energy of it because of like dressing up and like you can go extravagant and you can go all out and then there's candy involved and you can just like be scared but not like actually scared but like scared in safe environments exactly and be away from your family that too which is a hardcore mood so i understand why it's a queer holiday but i'm also like don't really care about it i think it's will's introvert energy and my extra energy that has like combined to make us not really care about halloween because i'm willing to go with a cost like every single day the self is a construct and i'm willing to make each and every aspect of myself this glorious costume so it doesn't matter like costumes are irrelevant to me because i wear them every day you really do and will's an introvert so they don't want to be outside i'm like i don't i vaguely like the spooky movie concept of halloween Mm -hmm. but even then i'm like i can watch spooky movies anytime exactly but we are compiling a spooky queer recommendations list and we're really excited And I'm actually realizing now that non-patrons will be listening to this in October. So it's very possible it will be out. My plan is to get this list out by October 15th. So it's going to be out in two days for y'all. So look for it. It's going to be amazing. We've gotten so many recommendations from like patrons and non-patrons and social media people. So many. I actually have an entire spreadsheet of, and I think there's like 25 things that I have to check out. I have a list too of like at least 10 movies. Mm -hmm. So like we will engage with a lot of spookiness. Oh yeah, there's gonna be so much spookiness and me and Will are gonna come up to Halloween absolutely terrified. And yeah, I'm just really excited. I think it's gonna be a great list and y'all will have some great recommendations. I really hope so at least. And if if you have any recommendations or suggestions at all, feel free to, to send them in to us. Mm-hmm. So we have a post up on our Tumblr. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also just email us yeah. at queerhistorypatreon at gmail.com. Please do email us your suggestions for spooky recommendations because we want to hear them and we want to post them. I'm really excited. As am I. I'm super hyped to just engage with the spookiness. So much spookiness. You can also email us in regards to other things other than recommendations, whether that's corrections, encouragements, questions whatever we want to hear y'all we want to talk to y'all it's super fun at the end of this podcast we're going to have a section most of you will recognize it but for those of you who are new it's called wrecking the queers and it's where we recommend a piece of queer media that we've engaged with recently and y'all wreck us so we've had some kind of different things for that and that means when we say wreck, we mean either correct us or add something on or anything like that. Or call us out. Or call us out. Please feel free to call us out. We will try and engage with it the best we can. We've done a couple call outs so far and they've all been great. And we've all been, we've been able to make the corrections we've needed to make. And yeah, we want to hear from you. And we really, really do. And we always appreciate when you guys give us feedback mm-hmm. because there are a lot of things that we don't always know. Exactly. And yet last month, Last month, our, our wreck was more people adding on to this post that I really liked, and all of you made really great additions, and I actually 
I mentioned multiple times, I was like, this is really nice. This is the first time one of our posts has gotten so many reactions and they've all been interesting and positive and nuanced. Three days later. <laughs> Three days after like saying this, I mean, it might've been a little bit longer, but someone responded. I'm not gonna like say the URL or anything like that. Cause I, again, I don't want them. I think they're a really small blog. Don't send hate, don't look for them. We're just, we're, we're friends. Please don't send them hate. That'd be so mean. But like, they just responded having clearly not read everything everyone else was saying and just being like, but queer isn't a good word for everyone. I'm like, okay. I think we just blocked them. So they, they might not actually be in the notes anymore. But like, it was just like the least thought through response they could have given after. I was like, there's so many positive responses. It's so nice. And I just looked at it and I was like, okay. But we will try to respond to your criticism no matter what. Even if it's not well thought through, we'll try to find a nugget of thought throughness in it. Unless it's like criticism on queer isn't a word. Yeah, queer isn't a word that we should use. Because we've had that discussion before and we sort of made our, our place clear. And unless there's really new information that you have to tell us, yeah, just move on. Yeah, it's just good. Move on. It's cool. Also, on that, uh, last month we did talk about a really good wreck as well with uh, the Miriam article where, and here's just proof that we will dig through garbage if it takes that to get to good criticism because we had a lot of really gross turfs correct us on this one thing and they were sort of right. They were like 30% right. So we ignored the rest of the 70% of what they said, which included never talk about trans women. <laughs> and we took the 30% of let's expand how we view the situation. So we will do our best to go into good faith into whatever your criticism is, even though I do make fun of some of them. Every but once in a while, someone adds something really bad and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, I guess. I'll read it. Fuck turfs though. Fuck turfs though. They have, there's no reason for anyone but us. <laughs> and I'm only listening to them because I can take the time as someone who isn't a trans woman to like parse out the meaning of what they're trying to say and not be affected personally by it. That doesn't mean everyone should or that even TERFs deserve that time. Mm -hmm. I just give it anyways because I'm like, well, might as well see if I can improve my work. Take any chance you can, right? Exactly. So is there any exciting news? I don't think so. We have another queer markets coming up. We have another queer markets. How is that not exciting news? We have another queer markets coming up. This, the name has been changed to queer makers market. Isn't that so much more smooth? It really is. Queer Try makers. saying it seven times fast though. No, <laughs> I refuse. Blocked, reported, we're done here. Okay, so what can you tell us about the Queer Makers Market? Queer Makers Market, I can't tell you almost anything because the details haven't been released publicly yet and I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not. But either way, I'm gonna be there in the room making sure everything is... Running smoothly. Running. We're probably gonna be selling books again. We're probably gonna be, we better be selling books again. I we have so. so many books that have been donated and I'm so, 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 so excited to sell them and give more really cheap queer books to people because again they're like a dollar each and all the money goes to like making sure this is a thing that continue to happen and yeah I'm just really grateful actually for this ability to to sell these books and to give these books because like in the end if someone's like I can't afford this I'm, I'm just gonna give it away I don't care but like just because as a child I never had access to those things I lived in a very closed community and I didn't have access to like any form of queerness or any form of media that was like direct 
actually about queer people. And as an adult, I've just absolutely immersed myself in it, obviously, and I've enjoyed that so much. But there's always a part of me that wishes I had that younger, or that's really sad for the people who also didn't have that at a young age. So being able to get these books out there is so exciting to me because a lot of them were actually gonna go to a landfill because, you know, a lot of places that take donations it won't take them because they are explicitly queer and a lot of those donation places revolve around a religion that does not accept queerness. So I was just, yeah, I'm just really excited to be a part of it. It's really good and it's really exciting to see people come up to our stand and being like wow it's delightful yeah just like the delight on people's faces is the best thing oh 100 it's really exciting and i'm just yeah again really excited to be a part of this and yeah there can be some amazing queer artists there so keep an eye out we're definitely going to promote it on making queer history no matter what so yeah keep an eye out for when that's happening if you're in the edmonton area and we're excited to see you there mm-hmm. now moving from the queer makers market to a slightly older queer maker sophia parnock sophia parnock let's get to this she is known or nicknamed as russia's sappho because she was a lesbian poetess and she just made really great work exactly which also she would have loved that nickname she would she would have flipped she would have flipped which like to be fair i don't know many lesbians who wouldn't be super excited to be compared to sappho honestly honestly it's a it's a mood it's a mood and she in particular really loved sappho and really honored sappho in her work and yeah she was born in 1885 in a place called taganrog in russia and she was born into this pretty wealthy family. Her father was a pharmacist and owned an apothecary. Her mother was one of Russia's first female physicians, which is pretty neat. So I feel like she grew up in a pretty forward family, at least in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then her mother died when she was six, and she was raised by her father and stepmother. And the lack of emotional support she received sort of followed her throughout her the rest of her life. She um, This was a family very focused on education, so she, like, she learned French and German and music from a young age and she also started writing poetry when she was six Mm. and also she was her family knew she was a lesbian very frankly they had an idea of what was going on there and her father in particular she wrote was not super happy about that there is actually a quote from her that I would love to read on that subject because you know there's nothing really better than like a person's own words on their experience like as much as we can try to interpret what happened it's always best to have a quote in my opinion she wrote in the eyes of my father i am a wild slip of a girl and nothing more my way of thinking and my tastes offend his patriarchal values and he condescends me just a little little translation note there the russian word for tastes is often used to describe a desire that isn't heterosexual and is used in that quote for that meaning so yeah it's very explicit he knew he wasn't happy about it. And, and Sophia Parnock actually spends a lot of her life trying to sort of move away from her father. Mm-hmm. But because she also heavily relied on him for, like, financial reasons, it was very difficult. Specifically because, like, that wasn't a time where a lot of women got to get jobs. And her job was not a well-paying one as a poet. And just starting out as a poet was not a well-paying position. And... In the end, she decided to have a marriage of convenience Mm -hmm. so she could financially no longer have to be supported by her father while also being able to move away to, I think, St. Petersburg? 
Yes, she married this man called Vladimir Wolkenstein. Who was also a poet. He was also a poet. They had very uh, similar temperament. They agreed on a lot of things in terms of poetry, Mm -hmm. and they had a lot of similar opinion. They met in 1905, and then they married two years later, Mm -hmm. and their marriage only lasted two years because of reasons. But they lived in St. Petersburg Petersburg together uh, for those two years, and they did fairly well until uh, Parnock's health started to suffer, and then she felt stifled by the marriage, uh, and then she moved to Moscow to see if she could start a handle living by herself. Mm-hmm. And specifically, uh, her illness was Graves' disease, and uh, she suffered with chronic illness for the rest of her life, specifically a lot of chronic pain that kept her bedridden, and yeah, negatively affected her health for the rest of her life, even while her work got more noticed and better her health was not fantastic and it affected her she also struggled with a lot of mental health issues and she had lots of depression and some parts of i'm not sure if i can actually call it paranoia but she had a lot of anxiety that she had to deal with and so she wasn't always in a really mentally healthy place and i think she tried to sort of battle this by doing a lot of traveling she lived a very nomadic lifestyle where she would live only like half a year a year in one place and then move to a new place for most of her life mm-hmm. and going from place to place making new friends meeting new people and constantly finding new muses she had i think a total of seven relationships mm-hmm. with women throughout her life all of whom she loved dearly and appreciated and cherished but also wrote poetry about and and used them as inspiration and so they affected they all affected her work in really really notable ways and they probably also made her work a lot better and they also made her a lot better Mm -hmm. so I think she found a way to deal with her health and her mental health and even though she wasn't always in the great place she sort of got this amazing support system yeah and in true lesbian fashion she remained friends with most of her exes yes except except for vladimir except for vladimir who they did not remain friends they did not which i think is funny yeah the one who who wasn't actually an ex yes and who started out as a friend wasn't actually the one that uh she remained friends with but she she remained very close with all of her exes which is just like such a lesbian move yes yes it really is her first real romance was in like no two when she was 17 i think mm-hmm. and she met this girl called nadezda pavloma polyakova i believe but also she was nicknamed as nadia and they were uh, non-monogamous for five years and this was like the first proper muse that parnok had and so nadia really affected her work and it's just really wonderful to see when you read parnok's work you can sort of see these traces of all these different women and i think that's pretty cool it is it is really amazing And really gives a time capsule of a time where lesbians in Russia were not exactly hugely recognized. We have this time capsule of all these women who may not have been lesbians. Some may have been bisexual or pansexual or whatever. Um, Just people who are attracted to other women. We have all of these like fingerprints that we may not have otherwise seen just through this one person. Which I think is a really incredible legacy to have. I think it is too. It's, yeah, it's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sophia Parnock also studied law for a little while. Mm-hmm. She studied music for a bit in Geneva. And then she ended up working as a journalist and a translator for the rest of her life when she couldn't rely fully and wholly on her poetry. Exactly, because... because she was struggling with, with publishing sometimes. She... Was actively censored by the Russian government. Yeah, she published her first poems in 1906, and then she's published works after that. But at a certain point, she was pretty much just 
banned from publishing anything because there were too much mention of religion and it was too queer and reasons like that. So she so she had to find other ways to support herself and one of these was being a journalist under a pseudonym. Mm-hmm. She would publish articles and reviews under the name of Andrei Polyani and she did this for a long, long time working for a magazine called The Northern Annals and she, she worked with them for, I believe, about 17 years, I think. And so, even when she couldn't rely on her poetry, she still relied on writing, and she seemed to have loved writing a lot. Mm -hmm. Which is an amazing thing, and it's an amazing tool that she was able to really take advantage of as much as she could. And while she was being censored, she didn't stop writing. She didn't stop writing even her poetry, because we can see she obviously did translations and did journalism, but she also continued writing poetry, which she kept in a secret drawer and was published 30 years after her death. Which I think is wonderful that we mm-hmm. have like this just big collection of all these things that she just, she just hid. Mm-hmm. Which, and yeah, now they're readable. Exactly. And, you know, she was able to live this like very prolific life, even if the government wasn't really a huge fan of that. Um, in the end, though, she did die of a heart attack in... 1933, 26th of August, Mm -hmm. and she died in, I don't remember entirely where, but it was outside of Moscow, Mm -hmm. and she died from a heart attack with three of the women that she loved around her bed. Mm -hmm. And they all worked to smuggle her body into where she would have wanted it. It's actually like this whole heist movie thing. You should definitely read up on it. We can't dive too, too deep into it, because I don't have a lot of the details in front of me, but, um... Look at it. It's a weird, wacky adventure of them trying to get her body where she wanted it to be. And then the funeral processions, as soon as other people caught on to it, extended, like, I believe, 25 kilometers outside of Moscow. Which, again, is so incredible for a woman that was stifled by the government of her time. And so, yeah, she was really loved by her current people. She had a lot of friends Mm -hmm. in all these different cities, and she was just really appreciated. Which is all that someone can ask for, really. Mm, That's true. And yeah, she wrote all these really great poems, and they were very not of their time. Mm -hmm. They were focused on on the feelings and her experiences of queerness. They were very psychological, which is not something that was very usual to write poetry about at the time. And they were also focusing on, like, on her son self-identifying and, like, her religion. Because she, she was Jewish, and she was a little bit in, in a bit of a conflict with her father, who was also Jewish, but not very religiously Jewish. And with her experience of anti-Semitism in, in Russia at the time, and so she wrote about all of this in her exploration of religion and her exploration of Christianity at some point. And she also wrote about her feelings of being othered and her feelings of being unusual, especially with the, with her graves deceased and knowing that she was not like everyone else, both in that and in respect of her, her sexuality. Mm-hmm. And she wrote this really complex, interesting poetry from her perspective as a Jewish lesbian woman with chronic illness. Like, that's an intersection of a lot of things that people were not, you know, encouraged to be at that time. 
and she really got a chance to explore those identities in her work. You can really see all the how all these identities impacted her and impacted her work and yeah I think that's a really incredible thing because you know maybe this is just me but you can actually see a lot of people sort of talking about how these intersections don't exist in real life and I don't know if this makes sense but like when people talk about you know books with characters with multiple intersections of uh, marginalization like let's say you read a book with a transgender lesbian black woman you're gonna find 50 reviews on goodreads being like it's unrealistic for people to have all it's not it really, that's really sort of just how people it? are. Like they mm. have intersections of different identities. That's everyone is made up of intersections of different communities and identities. So it's really great to you know, as much as we just recently talked about like representation in media, it's also really great to see representations like this in history because you can't say that. You can't just be like, you know, it's unrealistic to have this because it's a real person. Will was talking earlier about how they wished that there was a TV show or a movie about Sophia Parnock. I wish, like, because her life is, like, so intricate. Yeah. And there are so many people, and she has, like, so many partners, and she moves from place to place, making friends, and I'm like, who are these people? I want to see them all interact. I want to see, like, the biggest soap opera of Sophia Parnock's life. That would be incredible, right? Who doesn't want, like, a 50-part miniseries that just has... You know what? That just has an exploration of her life. And if, you know, people were the way they are and they're like, this isn't a realist, you can't say that to, you know, something that's based off reality. They would, but they would, they would but be like, wrong. they'd ignore them. Yeah. Okay, if you're also feeling that craving for um, sort of a media discussion of her life, I have something for you. There's actually a lyrical biography of Sophia Pardock by Kitka, and it's great. It, it's an opera? I don't know what it is. It's it's cool. It's neat. You can find it online. It's actually on Spotify if you have Spotify, but if you hate that kind of thing, it's probably other places too. It's called I Will Remember Everything, which is a fantastic name in my opinion. And yeah, it's an entire thing by a group of singers, including Erica Banks and Kitka, as I said, and it just really explores her life through music. So if you sort of want to see an exploration of her life outside of us and in a different medium, you should definitely check that out. Because it's a lot of fun it's to incredible. listen to. Yeah. Like, a little weird, because it's like, I wouldn't call it like, 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 not weird, but it's very, I would almost call it like modernist music. So it's a little different from like any other music that mm -hmm. I've ever listened to, but I thoroughly enjoy it and I think it's really fascinating and interesting. So I think I'll try to remember to leave a link to that somewhere in the description so that you can check it out. It's not technically, this isn't taking up my recommendation spot. It's not. It's but, not. But, because it's related to the thing. Okay. If I can just tangentially relate all my recommendations, could I give more, do you think? No. I, I will revoke your it. privilege. Zero. Okay, whatever. Moving on. Yeah, no, it's just really uh, a great experience. And yeah, I wish there were more pieces of media surrounding, you know, amazing historical queer figures. I know there's Gentleman Jack happening right now with Ann Lister. I want to watch it. I want to watch I it as haven't. well. Neither have I. I know y'all are so mad at me for not watching it, but I'm going to. I'm going to get around to it, I promise. I've just been super, super busy lately. I had a wedding. My mm -hmm. little sister came over. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. It's been incredible. Anyways, I just really wish there was more media around the history of queerness and more media inspired by that. I mean, Alexander Hamilton was queer, but they don't talk about that. They really. don't, and it's disappointing. Again, I think it's nine years now, maybe? Maybe eight, nine years from now. I gotta be in a room with Lin-Manuel Miranda to sort of talk to him a little bit 
gently and have tea and be like, hmm, your representation of queer people isn't the best, not because you're not trying really hard, but because you don't have enough queer people in your life to tell you which way you should be going. So I'm gonna be that queer person for the Madeline Miranda. I'm gonna do it. I'm so excited for you. Exactly. So yeah, I just really wish there was more media and more representation around the history of queerness. I wish. I know y'all are shocked by that <laughs> revealed desire. I wish there was too, and like it would have been a really nice thing to have even growing up. And you know, it'd be an incredible thing for, you know, Russians to see. Yeah. Because Russia has deliberately and systematically tried to destroy their history of queerness and, and put forward this idea that being Russian and being queer are two incompatible things that have no place together, when in reality they've always had a place together and the idea that we, they shouldn't is completely ignoring the best parts of Russian history. And it's completely putting focus on parts of uh, Russian history that were a bit smaller than maybe people think they were. And I think Sofia Parnock mattered as much as, you know, some other moments in Russian history that are more based around heterosexuality. I agree. And yeah, I think it would be an incredible thing. We've actually had a bit of a Russian following for a long time now. If you're from Russia and you're listening, I love you. And you can move into my house at any moment. Oh, I yeah. don't care. You don't even need to, like, text me first. You can just show up and be like, hey, what's up? And we'll let you in. We'll let you stay for a little while. But, yeah, this is this person. Even if they tried to erase her, still there. Because they're weak. And they're not powerful enough to get rid of the amazing legacy queer people have left behind us. That's true. And, again, just going back to the quote that I say over and over again from... The original Sappho, in relation to Russia Sappho, someone will remember us even in another time. Just remember that. Anyway, we're moving on to wrecking the queers. Yes, we are ready to be wrecked. Do we have anything to be wrecked with? I'm trying to remember if there are any wrecking in the most recent memory. Oh, this isn't a wreck, but someone recommended to us that we should oh. be on Spotify. And guess what we are now? On Spotify. Amazing. We're on Spotify. You may Technology. be listening. Isn't it incredible? You may be actually listening to us on Spotify right now. I don't know. Maybe that's what you're doing. We just, just ourselves on Spotify. And I'm really excited about it because it was super easy. I thought it'd be really hard, but it was super easy. So we're on Spotify now. So you can listen to us there if that's easier for y'all. And yeah. So that was how someone wrecked us most recently by recommending we go on there. And we are. So, so listen to us on Spotify. Listen to us on Spotify if that is your main podcasting app. Again, we're also on Podbean, iTunes, our website, Patreon, Spotify, a couple other <laughs> podcast sites. And in Google Play. We're on Google Play too. And yeah, you should definitely use which one is most convenient for you. And email us if there is one that you want us to be on that we're not on because we can really quickly connect that. It's like a five minute thing. Don't worry about it. It's not going to put a lot of work on us. And we like knowing that y'all listen and care. Exactly. It's a great thing to hear. It really is. So, uh, Laura, what's your wreck for today? It is a book that I read two times in a row. I, I read it. I finished it. I picked it up and I read it again. And then you read it with me. And then I read it a third time with Will. Because I was like, Will, you have to... Will. 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 You gotta read it. You gotta read it so I can talk to someone about it. And it is called The Devouring Grey. It will also be on the spooky reckless. It will, because it's a little spooky. It's not very spooky, don't worry. But it is a little spooky. Little it's a spooky. book. I know y'all are shocked that I'm recommending a queer book. But it's a book. It's really great. I think it's probably upper YA, I'd say. But, like, I think it's good. Yeah, it's a good for most ages, I would say. There's nothing, like, super inappropriate in it. Um, and 
It has multiple queer characters in what I specifically love, multiple bisexual characters. Or at least the, there are some that haven't been specified, but they're attracted or have been attracted to multiple sexualities. So that could be pansexual or, you know, a couple other identities. But in my head, there's at least, I think, two bisexual characters. And that's super, super neat. Because usually it's sort of like we want one of everything instead of like doubling up. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's much more of like a Captain Planet situation of like, let's get one of these, one of these, one of these, one of these. When in reality, in, in most friend groups, you know, there there's definitely doubling up. There's like multiple uh, gender bi non-binary people. There's like multiple um, bisexual people or there are multiple lesbians. And in this friend group, there are multiple bisexual people, which is really nice and real, really realistic to me. And also, it's just a really, really great book. And I loved it. I loved reading it. It was so much fun. It's really well done. It's sort of the idea of the book is that there is this small town in the middle of nowhere. Don't all great spooky books start with that. Small town in the middle of nowhere where there's founding family. And the founding families are known to keep the gray out of the town. And we follow our main character coming into the thing and finding out that she's a part of one of these family founding families and sort of finding out what that means while she's also grieving the death of her sister and you sort of find out a lot about loss and grief and stuff like that and it's really amazingly written it's it's really good like i read it and it's just really good and they're focusing a lot on like friendship and doing wrong by each other but also doing right by each other mm -hmm. and like how to how to just be more able to take care of other people, mm -hmm. which I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. And in, in relation to grief especially, talking about how when you're in grief, what you need is other people. Mm -hmm. Whether you know it or want it or not, you need other people and to not even just have other people in the room, but to know that you could. Mm -hmm. And it's also a great supernatural spooky read if you want that too. And it's great like friendship and it has queerness, and it has really sweet characters who I adore and think about all the time because I want just the best for them. I just want the best for them all the time. Except for one of them, which I want mediocre for. Not bad, but mediocre for. He deserves a little, a couple months of mediocre. Yeah. Yeah, he does. But either way, that is my recommendation of the month. You should definitely read it. It's a fantastic book. If you read it, if you like it, if you hate it, shoot us an email. We would love to talk to you about it. Mm -hmm. We like seeing what you guys get out of our recommendations. Exactly. Because we only want the best for you. Yeah. And just so you know, if you do not have enough of our recommendations, even with the spooky list and even with the monthly recommendation thing, I also give regular recommendations on the Patreon. So some of them are exclusive to patrons. Some of them aren't. Some of the time, it's just me and the patrons like going back and forth and talking about what we like about a book. But most of the time, you can have access to some of it. So just like keep an eye out on our Patreon. And if you're a Patreon, check out our story every once in a while. I go through my Goodreads and talk about the books I liked and the books I didn't like. And I also just like talk to some of the patrons individually about that kind of stuff. And as some of you know, we recently got a chance to send out a whole bunch of bookmarks to patrons, which was super great. And I'm really excited that we got to do that. And it, yeah, it was a fun ride. Also, if you want to add recommendations, check out our different social medias. I think we're talking about it mostly on Patreon and Tumblr, and we're getting the most recommendations from there. So if you want to join in that discussion of spooky queer recommendations, because I am going to be recommending that people look through the list that you have all given me, because I'm only going to be able to get to some of them. I'm sorry, I know y'all are horrified, but I can't actually absorb that amount of media in only like a couple months. 
but I'm going to try to get us through as many of them as possible. Also, I'm considering doing a live stream of watching some of them. If any of you are interested in that, Patreon specifically, because it'll probably be based on our Patreon, because, you know, that's where the most people are and where the most fun is. So, yeah. It will be exciting. No matter what happens, you should definitely become a patron, because mm -hmm. you get access to so much more extra material. Mm -hmm. You get access to our opinions on a lot of things. You get access to things like voting on, on designs. You get access to the possible live stream. Oh, thinking of that, let's see who won the vote of oh, yeah. the design for this month so that patrons and non-patrons alike can know what's going on to the shop this month. Oh, for those of you who aren't patrons and don't know, every month we put up a little poll with a couple of our designs that we made for social media and oh this is a close one this month okay so this month we had um i'm just gonna sort of describe the designs for you um yeah it's unlocked so i can also you know link it so you can see if you want to see so here's the first one tolerance is a very dull virtue it is boring unlike love it has always had a bad press it is negative it merely means putting up with people being able to stand things, E.M. Forrester. So it's sort of a graphic around that quote. Most of these are graphics around a quote that I really enjoyed, or, you know, specifically all from queer people, of course. Okay, here's one of actually my favorite quotes ever. Yeah, this is one of my favorite quotes ever. So this is from Frida Belenfante, who we haven't talked about yet on the podcast, but we do have an article about. I've always helped people. Whether they're worth it or not comes out later. They haven't all been worth my effort, but the effort was worth it. Which That's is just- a really solid quote. <laughs> it's such a great quote. And it's a great design, in my opinion. It wasn't much work for me because it's a lot about, like, getting the pictures and the colors, but yeah. Anyways, then there's another one. Nothing has prepared us, and yet somehow all history conspired to bring us together. Two Jewish women brimming with love for one another. So sweet was our delight. It seemed to infuse with meaning the centuries of suffering that had preceded us. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. We were the harvest, and our love was the first fruit, the springing forth of life from the ashes of our people. That's by Alice Block. Um, both aesthetic, this is the next one. Both aesthetically and ethically, I seek to translate my rage and my desire into new images which will undermine conventional perceptions and which may reveal hidden worlds. That's I love from, that one. That's from Rotimi Fanny Kyoto, which is one of your favorite people that we've ever written about, ever really written about actually. So the one that has the top votes, there's a top. There's a tie. I guess we're going to have to put both of them up. Yeah, okay. I guess, like, that's not the worst thing to do, right? So our tie is between A and C. C being nothing has prepared us yet. Somehow all of history conspired to bring us together. And A being tolerance is a very dull virtue. It is boring, unlike love. So, Solid, both of them. Yeah, those are going to be going up. Our patrons voted for it, and I'm really excited to put both of them up in our shop. You can see them probably by the time this is published, but maybe not. Who knows? I'm going to try and do it because we do have to rush this podcast. Because again, like always, we got it done at the very last minute. But if you become a patron, you also get to vote in these things. Exactly. Just so you know. And we, we got to have a lot of comments and discussions with our patrons, which is always fun. So yeah, if you want to, if you're able to, please do uh, go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash queerhistory. And you can give us support, and you can join the community there. And we're always so excited and so thankful and so grateful for all, everything you guys give us. Exactly. And also, if you want any other ways to support us, if you can, contribute to our Patreon. You can go to our website at www.makingqueerhistory.com. 
You can book us for a speaking event. You can just read through our articles, which is a great neat thing to do. You can go to our shop and you can also just donate a one-time donation at our PayPal to keep us going and growing and doing great. And you can also find us on all social media and, mm -hmm. and share our things and comment and like. Uh, we have a Facebook, an Instagram, a Twitter, a Tumblr, a Pinterest. We have a Pinterest. I'm so excited about it. And anything else? Um, no, I think that's it. We have Facebook. Did you say that? I think so. And Instagram? Yes. Okay, cool. Then we have a lot of social media. And you can find them all uh, via links on our website. Mm-hmm. And you can also find other things like happy endings articles, which is just articles that are happy or at least have a happy ending to them. While all of our articles end in a person's death, that doesn't mean all of them are sad. And that doesn't mean all of queer history is sad. So if you just need a brightening up of your day, just go through that. I do it all the time. Just remind myself of all the great things we've written about. Actually, I was talking to Dean recently. <laughs> they called me out because they were looking through our happy endings uh, uh, tag and they were like, wow, there hasn't been one for a while. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Our, our most recent one was Evelyn Irons, which was a Scottish journalist. Anyway, hasn't been one for a while. And I'm like, okay. Then he was like, oh, I think I wrote the last one. And then a guest article one wrote the one before that. And then I wrote the one before that. You haven't written a happy article since last February. And I'm like, whoops. Called out. So I've been called out. So I'm going to be writing more happy articles. Um, the article that is just coming out could be... I'm not sure where Dean's going to end up putting it. Who I'm excited. It's an adventure. I, I don't think it's going to get a happy ending one. Mm. So it is not the break that y'all are probably hoping for me now that you've realized that I haven't researched and written a happy article in, in well over a year. Ooh. So, um... Become a patron to help pay for my therapy. Oh, yeah. Because, <laughs> y'all, I am going to therapy now. Everyone celebrate for me. I am very happy and very... Thank you. So, become a patron to pay for that so I can continue going. Because <laughs> it turns out that shit's expensive. Anyway, no matter what, we're excited to have you on board on this weird, magical journey we're going on. Thank and you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. And remember, history is queer than you think. We have always existed, and we are still here Telling the stories of those slung dead, we won't disappear We're taking the pen back into our own hands We live and we breathe and we keep creating, taking a stand History is queerer than you think Continue.
Every step we're taking